began and fell silent. They knew what was at stake as well as he did. He stared at his daughter's weary face. We can spare an hour, no more. Tobacco smoke hung thick in the gloom of the ill-lit interior. There was only one window and it was covered with burlap. Light came from two lanterns on pegs on the walls. Mixed with the acrid scent of the smoke, were other less pleasant odors. Trade goods were piled haphazardly on one side of the room. On the other were several tables and a long plank counter. Nate's green eyes flicked from three grimy characters seated at a table to the keg-bellied proprietor behind the counter. He noticed a mousy woman over in a corner nervously wringing her hands. We'd like something to wash down the dust. The big man with the belly rubbed a pudgy hand across stubble that dotted his chin. We don't serve their kind. Nate did not have to ask what he meant. He started to bring his hawking up, but Shakespeare gripped his arm, shook his head, and grinned at the bigot. Mr. Barker, I presume. What of it? You don't serve females? Shakespeare asked. I admire your courage, friend, if not your judgment. Riling the opposite genders like baiting the grizz, you're liable to be clawed to pieces. What are you talking about, you old coot? Barker demanded. I meant we don't serve Indians. Oh, Indians, of course. Shakespeare's grin widened. I will not excuse you. You shall not be excused. Excuses shall not be admitted. There is no excuse shall serve. You shall not be excused. What the hell are you babbling about? That was the bard, old William S., as I like to call him, from Henry the Fourth. Shakespeare paused. Here's another. Thou art a very ragged wart. What? A draymen, a porter, a very camel. Makes sense, damn it. Shakespeare nodded. What do you think I have been doing? He quoted again. I do care for something, but in my conscience, sir, I do not care for you. If that be to care for nothing, sir... I would it make you invisible. And with that, McNair smashed the stock of his rifle against Barker's temple, and Barker folded at the knees and sprawled in a heap. Martha Barker cried out and ran to her husband. You had no call to do that. The men at the corner table started to rise, but Nate, Winona, and Blue Water Woman covered them. Of all those present, only touch the clouds was unaffected. He stood with his huge arms folded, as impassive as a cliff. As for Shakespeare, he hopped onto the counter and swung his legs over the other side. I can't abide poor manners, madam. Your husband should learn to control his tongue. Hopping down, he reached for Barker, but Martha slapped his calloused hand. I don't need your help, engine lover. Ignoring her, Shakespeare slid his arm around her husband and hauled him off the floor and around the end of the counter to an empty chair. 
What a mountain of mad flesh this rascal is. Fetch water, madam, and hastily, if you please. From a bucket at the far end of the counter, Martha brought a ladle filled to the brim. Shakespeare took it, smiled sweetly, and threw the water in her portly husband's face. Barker's eyes snapped open, and he looked around in confusion before his gaze settled on McNair. You! You struck me! He pressed a hand to a welt on his temple. My head is fit to split! Would that a pumpkin contained half as many seeds! Shakespeare patted Barker's shoulder. The throbbing will go away. In the meantime, be a gracious host and serve me and my companions. The gall, Barker blustered, telling a man what he can and can't do in his own place. Shakespeare